Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Histories podcast, official podcast, We Ain't Got No podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and today I will be hosting alone. Ram can't make it time-wise, unfortunately, as you already know, it has been difficult for the both of us, to be fair, um, to find times because of the time zones and uh, all pre you know, occupation patient things it's just the circumstances of course with covid also that don't make things easier so yeah please uh, accept my apology for that or my apologies uh our apologies yes nevertheless a lot has been going on since our last episode uh a lot has happened uh this week and uh yeah i've got two great guests two fellow uh, contributors of writers of the blog uh, in returning guests, of course, Felipe Miranda and Ryan Yatti or Yatko. I'm sorry, I always forget that. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, lads. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you. Good to be to glad to be back. Yes, I'm glad I can welcome you two back, and uh, it's it's always interesting to have a first podcast um, after something major has happened. Uh, so, for example, when Frank Lampard was appointed, it was always interesting to hear the views. Okay, how do we think this is going to pan out? And um, uh, what do we expect for the future? And everything goes overboard within, well, a week. Uh, Thomas Tuchel is the new manager of Chelsea Football Club. Um, very, very eventful week. And as such, we thought we'd talk about things with a bit of a theme uh and that will be the good the bad and the ugly i'm not going to take credit for that because brian was the one that proposed it i think it's a great theme uh it gives a good structure to our debate and that's why we'll just get straight into this thomas tuchel i really am curious to hear your opinions on uh thomas tuchel i mean i've known him for quite a while because of the bundesliga and um, for me, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. But what would you guys say? Okay, what's the good, the bad, the ugly? What do you maybe general thoughts on Thomas Tuchel um, as the one who, of course, proposed this theme? Brian, uh, I would I would ask you first. What have you made of this Thomas Tuchel appointment? Uh, what are your thoughts? Thanks, Jimmy. Um, but the good with Thomas Tuchel, you know, I, I'd say within the first two games, I've, I've been impressed. I mean, I had some cautious optimism when his appointment was announced. Uh, you know, I haven't really followed him intensely. I, I knew his games uh, when he was in Dortmund. I've watched a few matches uh, of PSG not, that weren't Chelsea-related also. But I would say my assessment of Tuchel has always been someone who is very much attacking-minded. He's got a philosophy of, of attack, possession. And one thing I was kind of unquestioned about was whether or not he was able to coach a well-positioned, structured defense. You know, I, I felt like at times in the Bundesliga and in League One, um, his teams were sometimes found out, uh, perhaps being caught up too far high up the pitch or just being just outmatched tactically. But within the first two games, I think Chelsea has been very much a team that has not only been possession-based, but also defending with possession. And I think that's something that we have the players to, to do that. Um, and, you know, 
I looked at a stat after the match that said that Chelsea have only seen five shots on goal, uh, or I think five shots total, I should say, five shots total in the past two matches, and we've had 30-plus shots in those same two matches. So obviously, we're very much attacking, uh, minded with the team, but we're also being able to prevent the opposition from attacking us uh, to success. So as far as the good, I'd say that Thomas Tuchel has brought some solidity to both the attack and the defense, and that's something I think is promising for us going forward. Uh, I think that is a very sensible way to look at it, and, you know, there has been um, some pros and cons. I mean, you also mentioned them. Um, I come on the community because I can remember watching uh, or reading through the official appointment thread, and... Uh, no one really was quite sure, apart from the ones that have been wanting him out for a very long time. Um, and it's, 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 uh, I don't know, it's, it's exciting, you know, it's very much exciting. I mean, Phil, would you agree? What, what, what would your, your pointers be for the good, the bad and the ugly of this Thomas Tuchel appointment? Your expectations mm-hmm. also, maybe. Well, the good thing, I'd say, is that I had the opportunity to follow uh, Tuchel only a bit, Tuchel, only a bit, because of uh, because of Neymar mostly and of the other Brazilian uh, players in uh, PSG. Uh, and I always thought his philosophy was quite interesting. I was looking through uh, PSG numbers and their numbers were always very high. But what I noticed, at least when he had a, a stable season uh, in League One, uh, he had a, a very effective attack and a very effective defense as well. I mean, he had some world-class players, uh, Thiago Silva, which we have now, is one of them. Uh, but he, he also was the one who, were, who was able to bring the best out of Neymar and Mbappé. At uh, PSG, which is which was a very interesting setup. I mean, every every tactic is about you know finding uh, at least what I believe in in in, in tactics is about finding these matches and using your players in the best way possible. And I think Tuchel has a similar uh, outlook on football uh, on the pitch. So you know, he's already shown that because. Uh, People often say, you know, that people like Tuchel are uh, uh, tinkers, but I don't think that's a very good description of that. I mean, he does change uh, shapes and, that, and shapes of teams a lot, and he does stuff like, you know, using uh, players who are not used to one position on that position to see how they will uh, handle the, the 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 new task, the new position, and oftentimes it fails, oftentimes, but when it works. Uh, it works very well, and I really like that kind of thinking uh, uh, in, uh, with Chelsea. I mean, uh, we have this theory that maybe it's not really a theory, but that uh, Abramovich is trying uh, for years, for decades even, to uh, create a Chelsea uh, football style, and he hasn't been able to do that. And I feel like a coach like Tuchel is one guy who can do that for us, you know. Uh, and also, you know, since he's on a short-term contract, which is 18 months, if I recall correctly, uh, if things don't work out for us, he can be let go 
and it won't be as costly as uh, our uh, our uh, dismissal of uh, Borinho or or of uh, Antonio Conte, for example. So there is also this. I mean, it's not a good with Tuchel himself, but with this current uh, relationship that we have with him. And do you think that relationship will last? That's just because that is my main concern. That's because not even on the footballing uh, level, because I think it's out of question that this 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 uh, manager knows what he's talking about. And we said as much already today, but um, his problems with hierarchy and uh, his inability to you know maybe swallow is pride or say, you know what, I'm just going to let it be as that is, I think, and you know what, that would already be my, my bad of disappointment, which are, I, this is just such a huge worry where I, I'm watching games like today and I just can't enjoy it fully because every time when I think, oh great, yeah, oh, this looks good. I mean, it's only been two games, but still, um, always this thought comes out where I think, Oof, well, how long is it going to last? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something which is kind of deterring. And while I had my problems with Frank, uh, at least you knew, okay, this was supposed to at least be made out to be a, 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 a lengthy, a long-term thing. But then again, it didn't turn out as one would have expected initially. So, yeah, that's it. Um, for me, you know, the good would be, of course, this this style because I during the last few weeks of Frank's tenure, it was very difficult to see what is actually our, our style of play. Do we actually have a real game plan? And, you know, from reactions and what we've heard in the aftermath and journos, um, it doesn't seem as if every player actually knew that themselves, you know, and that, 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 that's kind of also, um, that's a good, but also the ugly because the ugly way how it ended when, okay, we were just, a lot of people were so desperate and that's kind of to, to get rid of the last management crew that it's kind of tainted a bit this start to Thomas Tuchel's era. And I think, you know, time will, of course, heal our wounds. Um, but that's kind of this, this, this bitter aftertaste where you say, okay, this, this is, this at the moment, it's still very fresh, everything, but yeah, Good, definitely. For me, it's got to be the system and that we actually seem as if we have an idea what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, uh, that is something that, for me, we also saw in the first two games. Um, we have this this this, uh, this system. We have an approach. Players are playing well in ways that I didn't expect one and a half weeks ago that we would ever see for or ever for, wouldn't see for a long time at least um so coming to that the first two games in charge um maybe on a more general uh, ground not just concerning Tuchel uh what would you say would be your merits of these games what 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 is the good the bad and the ugly of course um is there something that we can really build on even on the Wolves game that we can say, okay, wow, this is a very exciting future to have. And I know it's already been partially uh, spoken about, but just once again, if we just come to these two games that we've had. Um, Brian. 
So kind of going along with your point about style of play and system, I don't want to call it good or bad. I, I think it's more so notable. Going along, along the lines of what you mentioned, I think what Tuchel's trying to do is figure out his team in general. Um, reading his post-match comments, it, it seems like, yeah. at least with his selection of his attacking players, he's still trying to figure out who they are, how they like to play, how they fit in terms of what he's got right now, in terms of what he told them to do. I don't really see three at the back with the two sixes, you know, Jorginho, Kovacic, as perhaps what we're going to do going forward. Maybe it's something that's going to work right now. Maybe he'll introduce something else. But I feel like what I know with Tuchel, he's very fluid. Like Felipe mentioned, like he likes to tinker. He likes to try different systems, different styles of play. Chelsea have a lot of players. We have a very big, bloated squad. There's a lot of, a lot of talent out there that he can use and utilize. Um, and I think he's still trying to figure out what the best group of players will be for any given match. And at least from what I've kind of gathered from Tuchel is, I don't want to say he's trying to outsmart or out-tactic the other manager, but he's definitely someone who likes to play that game where he's trying to be setting up the team in a, in a tactic that's going to get the most out of the players that he thinks will win against the opponent. So whatever we see against Wolves and Burnley may not be what we see against Mourinho next week, right? He might change the whole system completely with a whole new set of players. I think that's fascinating. For me, that's a good. It might be a bad for someone else, but I find that type of engagement to be exciting, it's exhilarating, because you don't know what, what's going to happen on the lineup sheet you know, before the match. So uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to deviate from the topic, but that's, that's what I got to say. That, that, that especially, that's something that I can't remember having for I, I mean when was the last time that we were really sitting here and said blimey I, I don't know what really what formation we're going to have what players are going to play and I know it's maybe premature here because it's only been two games and it's clear that Thomas Tuku is still trying to find out okay which players uh, am I really going to rely on because that is a problem let's not forget that Frank Lampard couldn't solve until basically he was out of a job you know he, he really didn't know his his perfect lineup, his perfect starting eleven, and anyone else who you know, anyone who you know, says the opposite, for me personally, you know, would be lying, because I can't imagine that he really knew it himself, and you know, there were a lot of indications that kind of backed that up. So yeah, that that is definitely something really exciting to see, and um, as we will still, of course, get into players that you thought, you know already on the way out and come back from the dead so that 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 I, I i of course i'm gonna ask fell now but that would also be for me something that's really really good uh, I, I like that um so yeah uh, fell please what what would your thoughts on in this uh regard be uh with regards to the to the, what i what i gather from the matches is exactly what uh uh, what Brian already said about uh, trying to figure out what's the best setup for his players, but also the, the creation of these matches, as I mentioned before. Uh, I recall you were talking about uh, the, the, the initial lineup against Wolves, and yeah. we, I saw like uh, uh, Hudson Odoi as right wing back, and I recalled what he used to do with PSG, which is uh, create these mismatches on the wings. And try to, to open, you know, to to be uh, 
as wide as possible on the pitch and uh, you know uh, try to exploit a, a, a weakness that, that on a, a, another team might have. So he will like uh, put uh, Neymar and another uh, fast player, oftentimes it was like uh, Di Maria on the same side and they these two would just create havoc on this wing of the on this flank of the pitch and they will be uh, almost un- impossible to beat and that was almost what we saw in against Wolverhampton and also today with you know uh, Hudson Odoi and Mount and even Aspi at times combining to you know create some beautiful stuff and uh, that was a very good thing uh I do think the, the, that the tinkering, for lack of a better term, might be a problem if Tokyo is unable to find a proper uh, identity to the team with the, the, with the pieces he has, which might have been a struggle with Frank Lampard. But I want to voice something that Andre, uh, or one of our colleagues, also says, which he was a weird part of Lampard's tenure, which we, he always had one or two or more players were just, you know, left out of squads for extended periods of time. I'm not sure why, you know, we didn't use uh, Tomori as often as we could have, as we could have. Uh, even That's a big question, yeah. Yeah, even even Rudiger before his recent uh, uh, re-emergence. It was always strange because uh, those players, Alonso is a big example of that, uh, those players were all often frozen out, and uh, Tukio, I think he was the he is, uh, he at least he tries to be the exact opposite. He will try to, you know, uh, at least from what I saw with PSG and PSG had a, to be honest, they have a better squad than we have in terms of uh, replaceable parts. Uh, but he tried as best as he could to. Uh, rotate around his players. I mean, he had, of course, a core with Neymar, with uh, Mbappé and other players who were the stars of the team. But he wasn't afraid to, you know, uh, try it out to to see uh, uh, specific players for specific situations. And, uh, uh, and he wasn't also afraid to, you know, uh, put players who did the dirty work to, to, to the best use. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he would do with Conte, uh, uh, because uh, he loved to to have players like Under Under Herrera, which is a player we all hated when he was at United because he was <laughs> able to shut down uh, Hazard. But he might as well do do that with Conte against other weapons of other teams, and it will be very effective in big in big matches such as you know this upcoming one against uh, Tottenham. You know, if we need to shut down one player, he might as well, you know, use Kuntev to do that. And it might be the key to win a match as it was when Mourinho beat uh, Chelsea with United uh, a few years back. You know, I, I really like this this uh, uh, this aspect of Tuchel's game, which can be a problem when there is an overcorrection. But it can be a strength as well when it's uh, used to this uh, to its better form. Um, out of pure interest, just a uh, question to that, because I watched Thomas Tuchel a lot for Mainz, especially for Mainz, and also then for Dortmund, but kind of lost track of him at PSG, only, you know, the odd report uh, when there was results and when he won something. Um, 
would you say that uh, or who who first of all who was his Kante at at um, PSG because it seems as if he most of the time used a double pivot uh, which yeah. makes sense makes sense um, and um, correct me if I'm wrong but he did want Kante at PSG right because yes rumors have been around for ages about Kante and I think that was already before Tuchel but he was also one that really wanted it right yes yes I mean I I think he did use a lot or try to use a lot of uh, under uh, a and also Gaye the the former midfielder from Everton oh wow who, yeah okay. I mean he's not a he's not exactly a Kante type he's more of on the defensive side of things whereas Kante is a multi-purpose threat at this point. He's not as good offensively, of course, but he's a, a bots-to-bots uh, midfielder. Uh, you can't argue, can't argue against that. But he did use to, he did use these two players for this role, uh, uh, not as a shutdown corner, uh, most most likely, but as this uh, as this uh, guy who will be. Uh, winning the the midfield for for his team, you know, because you have uh, a Jorginho type. Uh, this one can be Weigel in Dortmund, can be also. Where uh, 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 although uh, Verratti is a bit of a multi-purpose midfielder as well, but he can be Verratti too. Uh, but he will try to use a counter type. To, to win these battles, uh, do the dirty work so the offense, so the offense, so the, the stars of the team uh, can uh, provide the goods up front. And I I mean, some people might think this is too one-directional or too, um, too conventional, but I think it's effective. It brings results, and I'm sure it will bring some good results for Chelsea if we do this effectively. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think... That is a point, whether one was uh, in favour of Frank Lampard being replaced, in favour of Thomas Tuchel appointment, of everything that currently is happening around Chelsea. I think that is something that we can all rally around. You know, we we all want what's best. And I think that's something uh, that if this works out and um, he can take his form from PSG, which, of course, is a different league entirely compared to the uh, Premier League nowadays. But if he can take that form and that that desire and um, man, especially the man management skills into his new appointment, then I think we might be lucky as long as he doesn't clash. Yeah. And that is something which I personally am very much worried about. But for me, uh, thinking about the first two games, um, already said i totally agree with brian that the good is this tinkering i love that that was always one of the major criticisms that i had of frank lampard sure he made a few times a, an impactful sub but mostly it was more reactive than proactive while thomas tuchel i think is one of the most proactive managers in regard to in-game management which i very much admire and yes once again, I'm fully aware that I was very much against this appointment. I had my major reservations, but um, that had, once again, nothing to do with his style and with his ability as a manager, just with his social skills, which are, despite his brilliant first press conference, believe me, <laughs> wait and see him a little bit later when he feels comfortable, then <laughs> then you might get to know Thomas Tuchel a bit better. Uh 
Uh, the thing is always, you know, with the language barrier in German, you can, in his native language, his native tongue, he will always be able maybe to express himself more freely than in a different language where you have to be careful. Okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? In this, in this language, this different language, um, there are certain things that you're not allowed to say. I mean, that is evidentially, you know, evidentially um, tangible very much in the Premier League recently. I'm not going to discuss the whole Cavani stuff because that's not a topic that needs to be um, uh, spoken about on the Chelsea podcast. But, you know, you have to, you have to of course, be very much... Um, aware of you know what you're saying so um in a, in a different language so yeah uh but I'm, I'm getting off track here so for me the bad could also be that um well, it's not necessarily a bad thing but you know as as fans we don't know okay what's really going on are we really going to be playing with georgina and kovacic now um for the rest of the time the tinkering is great formation wise and i just hope that very soon we get to know him. Okay, this is going to be his first eleven. Um, as good as they were today, um, the Jorginho and Kovacic. I'd rather have Kante and, for example, Kovacic because I think Kovacic is one of those players that he needs. Just he's doing what he was always really good at. Uh, that's uh, certainly a good part. Um, but that's more on the player topic that we're going to come to anyway uh the ugly one of course for me was uh against wolves this this sideway passing that was very reminiscent of uh well i hate to say of the frank lampard tenure at least in the second season uh not as much between the center backs i felt but it's just ugly to watch this this sideway passing is just uh it's tedious and didn't get us anywhere so that that was pretty ugly for me in his first two games, but it was all made up for today. And uh, yeah, just to say one more good thing of these first two games is Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, or let me get let me say it differently that actually everyone's getting a chance. Everyone is getting a chance to prove himself. While I never really had that feeling under Frank Lampard. I, I'm sorry, maybe I'm 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 doing him a disservice, but I never really had that feeling. Ever since he said on merit, I'll be playing players, and it, it was kind of obvious that that wasn't the case for a lot of the players. Uh, that that was a major, a major, major uh, talking point for me, and um, so that I would say that's a good thing that you can see immediately. Uh, Tuchel isn't afraid to actually. Uh, really play players on merit and I think as you've already mentioned Phil he's had some big characters to manage and he won't shy away from doing so again at Chelsea um, so yeah um, so much for the first two games maybe getting more into the players themselves so I think the good being of course Callum hudson Doy, who was arguably the man of the match in the first two games, for both games, uh, will certainly be a part of the good. Maybe in the more general um, terms, what what do you say the, the good, the bad and the ugly was from the perspective of the players for these first two games? Maybe regarding, oh, I'm going to get a chance. Um, oh, I might not always be in the team because Tuchel has, has a lot of rotation. Um well, I mean, also regarding Timo Werner, maybe uh, 
that being a big problem. Um, but yes, Brian, your thoughts. It's hard for me to characterize good, bad, and ugly through two games. Um, it'd be a little a rough point. to just, say, just to say that's really a very bad. good point. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's a very good point. I should have mentioned that. Of course, it's very difficult. But um, just initially, initial impressions, let's say like this. Sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with what you guys have said previously about you know the players. Um, when it comes down to what Tuchel's trying to do with the team and what... Felipe was saying with uh, getting the best out of players. I, I think what he's doing with Callum is smart. You know, he's trying to put a player in a position, not normally where he's, you know, comfortable with, like as a wing back, but in the sense of being a wide player who's able to go down the touchline, get to the byline, put a cross in, or take a defender on one v one. You know, he's putting a player in a position to excel to do what he does best he may not necessarily be a wing back by trade but there's characteristics within that role that Callum can do and what I like about what Tuchel and what at least the players have looked like under him through two games is they're receptive to the style of thought the philosophy of what Tuchel's trying to do wherein you may not be in the position you're most comfortable with like take Mount today where he was kind of like an inside forward um, but Mount was very active in the half space, you know, tracking players, pressing, but also being part of the buildup, especially in the second half when he went back to his traditional, like, 10 spot, if you will, or in the hole. Um, I think what Tuchel and the players, at least Tuchel's trying to do with the players, is take characteristics that he's seen through however many days that he's had with them and try to put them in positions where they have the best chance to make an impression. You know, for me... It's almost like saying that Tuchel is trying to look at football more fluid, fluidly. I don't know, maybe that's perhaps too much of a cliche to say, but you know, Tuchel strikes me as a very smart guy. He thinks of football, you know, leaps and bounds, I think, than you know, people like us could think of. You know, we're just couch watching football guys, you know, with with thoughts and opinions on how football should be played, but Tuchel you know, he's been in the game for a very long time at a very high level, both professionally as a player and now as a manager. You know, he has ideas of what he wants to do with these players. And I think the players right now have shown to be receptive to a different style of management. I mean, Frank, obviously, I know we're going to have a section on him later, <laughs> but if I just say this right now with Frank, I, I look at what he's done in terms of management with Chelsea as a certain end of the spectrum wherein he's looking at management of players more so as I'm going to select you to a team. We have a rough philosophy of what we want to do, but the execution is really down to you as a player. Whereas what I think Tuchel has shown, not just at Chelsea through two games, but also in his past appointments elsewhere, it's kind of like what Sari did where, hey, you know, we have a philosophy of how we want to play let's figure out a way to get this working, whether it's through formation, different formations, selection of players, but there's a style of play like, has, like we've all wanted. But Tuchel is more so looking at it from the aspect of getting players to fit that style of play. Whereas Frank was looking at more so, like, let's get players to fit into a system. And I think Felipe kind of touched on that earlier, but um, overall, uh, in my rant here, I, I think the good is the players, they are receptive. And whether that's new manager bounce uh, phenomenon, that's good, but hopefully it continues.
yeah, I mean, okay, we're, we're, we can never be sure about that. That's that is of course true. Um, but uh, just just to add to that last point, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, when I heard his initial uh, or I read an initial review of him what others had to say about his playing style and what he himself wants for the players. He, he doesn't, he also set out to, uh, of course, give them an exact style, what they're supposed to be doing. But when they're in certain situations, he does give them the freedom to do what they want. I think that was the, uh, the interview between Rio Ferdinand and him while he was still at PSG last year. And so where he was saying like, yeah, I'm never going to tell a Neymar or, 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 Mbappe how to react in this you know when when he's taking on one-on-one this one guy because that is that he knows that they'll be able to um to find a solution to that so I think while he is of course very much intent on philosophy and that is a big part of his game and I I really do like that because that was one of my major points of critique with Frank um he isn't micromanaging them maybe the training sessions are tough, <laughs> but that, that's a good thing for us. Maybe a bad one for the uh, for the players uh, to keep in line with this theme. But um, it's it. I think you know it's also good not to always micromanage your team, so because they might feel as if they have no freedom. So that is something that he gives them. I, I like that very much about him as well. I must say, um, yes. So before in this point, we will come, of course, to Felipe's words on it. We'll just take a short break. And we are back. Um, we have heard uh, Brian's thoughts uh, on the players uh, during these first two games, during this first week of the new Tuchel era. And we'll, I'll now, of course, hand it over to Phil. What would you say were the good points, the bad points, the ugly, well, ugly, as, uh, you know, difficult to say ugly at this point, but your initial thoughts on players in this new system, how they're climatizing, how they've been playing. Also thoughts on how this will continue this trend or not. Um, Fel, please. Mm, well, yes. Well, um, it's kind of weird because I was thinking right now about not just uh, the matter of time, which is an issue for Tuku and every other manager who will take over I think with such a, a hectic schedule as we do have right now, uh, but um, there is of course the the, the thing about um, the manager bounce, the, the managerial bounce, or the new manager bounce, uh, and also how our our current streak of games of matches is not as bad as it was before uh, Lampard was dismissed. Uh, so. There are a lot of factors to, to count within this uh, analysis, but taking uh, taking everything off this all these details, at least what we've done thus far, at least what the players have done thus far, has been very very promising. I recall, I mean, during our talks with with our, our chats and stuff, I was like, I mean, Tokyo was the best name available on the market and we we needed a coach to come in and bring immediate results maybe he was in fact the best name we could bring to 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 the to the club and uh he's i mean i think he's showing that by not being afraid of 
using players who were uh, left aside like Alonso and you know he immediately uh, gave gave back the 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 trust by scoring a goal today, a marvelous goal at that. And he wasn't only, we can't just highlight the goal, but his, uh, his participation in plays before the goal happened was also very, uh, very uh, optimistic to see. Uh, Show is the greatest uh, example of that over these two games, but we can also uh, highlight uh, Aspie and uh, uh, now Mount, which you know, people thought it was a very uh, display of how things would be would be changing at at, uh, at the bridge because Mount was no longer a sure starter. But you know, the guy just started his his uh, his job. We can't say that uh, uh, as a, as a definitive statement. Uh, the, the players themselves, I think, they are taking it very well. The bad thing maybe is the. Is the thing that I think Brian mentioned? No, no, it was you, Jimmy, about the the sideways passing, and I think that might be in, in part that's something that Tuchel does, which is possession-heavy uh, play style, especially when playing at home against a team that you know just won't try to have the ball as much as we do, and that was the case for Wolves, and that was the case uh, with Burnley. They just don't want the ball. They want just that one opportunity to score. And that's what they tried to do today as well. Uh, they were almost success- successful, although they didn't record a, 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 a shot until the very last minute of the match. Uh, but, you know, that's something they do. And also this thing about sideways passing, at least from what I see oftentimes, is like getting not just the, the spaces, uh, changing the ball left and right to to find to try to find a... a, a a mismatch or an unbalanced uh, squad, opposing squad, to then try and get a, a direct uh, point of attack, but also because the tra- the players might be still trying to set their footing within the system, you know. So they would they would do this sideways passing to you know do the stuff that the coach te- that uh, uh, th- that the coach is instructing to do, and uh, it won't be. Uh, as direct as we may want, but it was effective. I mean, the the volume of chances we created with this sideways passing was very was very uh, promising to see as well uh, today, especially today against Burnley. And I I think I think the players are taking it very well, especially the players who might have I have seen uh, uh, Frank as a. Uh, 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 as an obstacle to to uh, to play with Chelsea, I mean that was definitely the case with Alonso, unfortunately, because the guy who I think the last appearance he made was back in September, I think, because uh, Chiwa was not was not available, or it was before Chiwa arrived, something like that. Uh, so maybe uh, players, the, the entire squad will get a boost from having Tuchel around because they know he won't be afraid to use them. And not just because he's a new coach, but also because he's a guy who does that. And I think they're taking it very well thus far. Uh, I, I think it's been very promising. The, the, the bad thing might be, you know, this adjustment phase that everything goes through and will be also be ugly, ugly, uh, an ugly side for us. 
but I but I think it's understandable. It will be a problem if we are facing I don't know. Uh, uh, we have a game against I, I can recall in the the FA Cup. Let me check here. I, I, I can recall the, the the team, but I think it's a league league one, league one or a league two team. Uh, even championship. Let me see here. It's yes, I guess, I guess. Yes, I guess Barnsley. Uh, and, mm. and they are in the championship. Sorry, Bensley fans. I'm not a, a huge follower of the championship like Remy's. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> don't let you don't let him hear that. But you know, we should all be experts, according to him. Uh, yes, but uh, in any case, uh, if you are doing sideways passing and not getting uh, good enough shots against Bensley, then that's a problem. But outside of that, it's been it's been it's been a. a a good and promising sight to see from the players uh, this even an increased sense of urgency and when attacking although their finishing today was really bad but I like that I like it overall I mean just one one curious point because we're at this point place I'm asking the both of you uh, we don't have to, in this case, stick with this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just general thoughts. Um, ben Chilwell, because he was mentioned. I mean, that, that was like the, pro- probably the most surprising omission today. Um, because, you know, I thought maybe if he doesn't want to have Ben Chilwell, because he did sub him off, and Ben Chilwell was very surprised, to say the least. Um, that was that was actually quite, quite funny. Um, not for him, of course. Anyway, um... I would have thought maybe he'd bring on Callum Hudson-Doyle as a left wing-back or Christian Pulisic, uh, which is also quite interesting that he hasn't been playing Christian Pulisic from the start, but probably because he just knows what he can do. Um, and we have more options in attack as in defence. Um, but Ben Chilwell, what do you guys think? Will Marcus Alonso be the one that will be going forward uh, our prime choice? You know, he, he certainly made a case today. Uh, Burnley were poor, don't get me wrong, but you know we all know that Bur- uh, Marcus Alonso, when being played that wing-back, not going to get a lot much better, at least attacking-wise, in the Premier League. And he has that defensive solidity. Bit, bit dodgy that maybe that left centre-back is Rudiger, because I'm sure that um, better teams would be able to you know, target that side of the pitch would have to wait. Maybe with Conte in there again, he would be able to cover the ground to do that. But anyway, Ben Chilwell, I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, Brian, it wasn't that good, was he? Against Wolves, at least. No, Wolves was disappointing. You know, I I think when you look at Chilwell as a player, a wing-back role, maybe it's not something he's perfectly comfortable with. I mean, maybe he's a type of fullback that needs that overlapping run to do well, but not start from that wide position. Whereas Alonso, you know, that's his bread and butter, right? He's, he's someone who loves to stay out wide, cut inside as a left back or a left wing back, I should say. I I, I think at this point, my hope is that Tuchel treats both Chilwell and Alonso as situational players. I don't think neither needs to be the hands down um, starter in the first 11. I think a lot of it's going to be down to also, is it three at the back? Is it four at the back? How are we going to use that fullback or wingback position? You know, we have Tottenham coming up. You know, Josie obviously loves to play in the counter. I'm not sure I would love having Alonso 
be out there uh, defending a, a quick counterattack, you know, I would much, I would feel much more comfortable if it was Chilwell or even Emerson, you know, being out there to kind of at least use their legs because they are considerably faster than Alonso in a foot race, right? So, but going back to assessment of Chilwell, I, you know, I, I like the guy. I wasn't super impressed by the fact that we had to spend so much money, but I understand there's an English tax on players. I understand that Lester also had reason to have such a high price on Chilwell. He's, he's young, he's promising. You know, it's his first year on a big team with Chelsea. I think in that aspect, he's not going to be a clear world-class elite athlete from, from the get-go. He, obviously, there's a lot of room for him to grow, but yeah, he's a good player. I hope that Tuchel makes him to a better player, but he doesn't have to be a player who starts every single game. But that also goes down to my whole philosophy with Tuchel that none of these players actually have to start every single game, and I hope he treats them yeah. as very situational. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, that, I think that is something that we can build on. Anyone who's saying, oh, I mean, for example, after the, the, the Wolves game, oh, he left out Mason Mount. Oh, how could he? I mean, completely disregarding that he gave a very, very simple explanation for it. It was his first game. But, you know, oh, he left out Mason Mount. Or today, oh, my God, why did he bring in Marcus Alonso? Marcus Alonso has a lot of enemies uh, among the Chelsea fan base, which shouldn't be enemies. You know, it can be critics, but not enemies. Um, but... Yeah, so it's 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 he is someone who rotates anyway. Um, we've been we've said that today, and I, I think it's it's too far too premature to really be worried about maybe someone like a Marcus Alonso um, being constantly in the team or not. I agree with your assessment on Chilwell. I was also deterred by the price, also because there were just other really good options out there uh, available last summer uh but he has shown that he's he can be a really good player for us i'm just not sure about him being a wingback that that's that's a concern for me because as a wingback he just didn't seem dynamic enough of course he can attack and he's great in the air and all that but you know marcus lundz is better in the air and you could see on the set pieces when rudiger plays for me, it makes sense to also have Marcus Alonso on set pieces because he brings you this threat. This guy, I mean, you can say what you want about him, but the guy just scores goals. It's ridiculous, really. Uh, good for us, but ridiculous. He just pulls them out from anywhere, and it, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's intriguing. The case of Marcus Alonso, and I agree for Spurs. It will—it, it, you know, on the counter again. I mean, they don't have Carrie Kane, if I'm not mistaken. Bale isn't really doing it for them. But against like a, a Bergwin or what oh God Son, if they if they try and attack that side, then we might be in for a lot of trouble. But then again, I think Thomas Tuchel were very well aware of that. So yeah, just my two cents in that. Um, Fell. What do you say in the Ben Chilwell versus Marcus Alonso debate? I mean, I was thinking about that uh, a few days back uh, with the, the three-man defensive lineup and stuff. I think that might be Tuchel maybe trying to first find a good defensive uh, basis for the team with, three, uh, with a three-man setup, with a three-man, you know, three centre-backs. Uh, before going to a uh, four-man setup where Chiu will, will, you know, thrive, as we all know. Uh, 
because uh, as you, as Brian mentioned, maybe Chiro is not the best built player for the kind of uh, wing back role that demands a lot of uh, of work, not just uh, in defense but also in that in attack, uh, cutting inside as Alonso does, not being afraid of uh, scoring goals. Although I did see, uh, we did see. Uh, when Chiro was uh, was introduced to the team, that he had this uh, attacking sense. He scored, uh, uh, I think he scored not one, at least two goals in yeah, his three, first few matches. Yeah. Yes, it, in his yeah. first three matches, uh, in his first few matches, and uh, that was a very promising sight to see. But then the 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 even you know the the well dried up, and he no longer scored, uh, which was not as good, of course. But I do think uh, it's not the end of the world for him. Uh, Tukio, uh, he was mostly, uh, uh, using, uh, with PSG, he was mostly known for using uh, for uh, for 3 uh, setup like, uh, uh, like Lampard used to do. Uh, so he will use uh, traditional fullbacks, but he likes those uh, overloads. He likes those uh, memes matches. And that's what Chiro needs to provide on the left if Tushu Itukyo uh, decides that uh, he wants to focus on the left flank of the field, uh, if he wants to, you know, uh, play such a, a setup uh, moving forward. Uh, at least for now, what we're seeing is that he's trying to use that on the on the right side. Uh, I, 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 I'd argue with uh, Utsunodai and Mount today with Utsunodai. Uh, 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 against Wolves as well, uh, whereas the left side of the pitch of the pitch won't be uh, uh, as uh, called, uh, it won't be called to action as much uh, up front. Uh, but even then, uh, if Chiro wants to succeed, uh, he needs to play the role that Tokyo wants him to play, which will be providing these overloads, uh, which will be uh, providing these. Uh, 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 this kind of uh, edge uh, to the team that uh, Utsunodo is able to do because he's a winger by nature, and uh, he's also he's also capable of at times uh, because of the overload. Of course, because the overload makes it so uh, that you won't be as defensively focused as you'd be on the other side of the pitch because the other side of the pitch needs to be stronger in this regard, so you can protect yourself better. At least this is the logic that the the, the, the tactics would follow. Um, and Alonso is not a good defender, as we already spoken. So if Chiro can be a better defender, and if he can be maybe not as good as Alonso scoring, but as good as Alonso supporting our offensive movements, then, you know, he will be the, 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 the locking the locking guy for the position. But, uh, as I also said, Tukio won't be afraid to experiment and to rotate players. So I don't think... Uh, that, that's one thing that I wanted to mention before. I don't think we will have a, a, a defined first 11. You know, I think we will often see Tukio inserting one or two players or more players, different players, uh, from one week to another one in big matches and small matches and stuff like that because he wants to not just 
give uh, players time to to you know rest, which is a big issue in COVID times because of schedule and stuff like that. But also to exploit these advantages that some players will have over others. So Alonso will play against small t- with, uh, uh, with the smaller teams because and in a Freeman setup, in a Freeman defense setup because he can, you know, score goals like he did today. Whereas Chiro will be called for big games because he's a better defender. And Kante, with Kante, it might be this, the same thing. And we will have the, the Jorginho Kovacic pivot because, you know, uh, 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 Burnley is a team that doesn't want to, to, to attack as much and they don't want the ball. So we we keep the ball to ourselves and we will just suffocate them. Uh, with chances, and we won't let them have the ball even for uh, one single counter. Uh, it, that's the the kind of thing that I think Tokyo will bring, and that is the kind of thing that will make not just Chiro but other players who will you know who are at risk of losing their place, like Mount, for example, uh, won't you make them not as uh, paranoid with this thing as as we might be as fans. Paranoid, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, it's always a big difference between the players being, you know, thinking, oh, God, or uh, they will always have a different insight into these kind of matters as us. Well, I'm very easily overreacting fans. I mean, Chelsea has a fan base where one could argue. <laughs> especially yeah. on twitter I, I don't think i have to say much about that um this whole sure. this whole last few weeks have been tragic in that regard um but you'd expect the players to be more sensible there um yeah i, I think that's also a good point that we will be seeing this play in that game we've seen this play in this game um You'd expect that from Thomas Tuchel, and um, it, it, it is certainly we, Chelsea certainly has the squad to accommodate this. And um, as the, the Alonso thing only just popped up today, I hadn't really thought about that yet. But playing Alonso against these more compact, uh, deeper lying teams makes uh, a whole, a whole. Uh, uh, you know, it makes the world a sense. Just keep it simple there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that we will be seeing that from Duke. That's something that he definitely offers. And um, I'm absolutely down with that. Uh, just as a quick question, uh, not to, you know, make this too extensive, but in regard to um, Jorginho, I just saw a stat before that the last... 15 matches we've had Jorginho start. We've won each and every one of them. Um, Jorginho, just, you know, just keep, keeping this short so we continue to the Frank Lampard uh, topic. Jorginho going forward as a, a partner for Kante, yes or no? Uh, Brian? Uh, for me, no, because... I'm still on the mindset that I want things to be a little more fluid. So, like, it doesn't have to be Conte and Jorginho going forward. I do like Kovacic. I think he's looked great these past two mm. games, mm. right? But also, Jorginho's looked really good, you know, uh, these past two games. I think he fits a very specific role 
especially if Tuchel is trying to keep uh, our defensive pressure with possession. And it's something that we've seen these past two games where uh, teams are willing to concede possession. You know, we're happy to take it and we're happy to use it. Of course, sideways passing, blah, 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 blah. But he does fit a very specific role for this team and helps us manage that aspect. And as long as we're not becoming defensively suspect with you know, being caught out too far with a gap between midfield and attack or midfield and defense, I think having Jorginho in the team is a huge benefit to us. So in a way, good and bad, I guess that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think anyone on the fence maybe will agree about uh, in that sentiment because, you know, we, we have to wait and see. You know, we ha- one has to trust in that Tuchel will know what's best at this point in time. Um, or should at least. Let's, yeah, let, let's keep it with should. Um, and if that means that Jorginho is to start because... Well, for whatever reason, I mean, he knows the player that we can be sure of because he already wanted them at PSG. Then, you know, by all means, but the way he was raving about Conte, you'd expect, you know, sooner or later him to be the one playing. Um, Phil, what do you say? Should Gino be the one to start next to Conte or is like Kovacic and Conte just more dynamic? And ju- sorry, be- ju- ju- sorry, just to add. Because one, it has to keep in mind, passing-wise, Conte is inferior to uh, Jorginho. You know, just, I, just, I had sure. to add that now. Yeah, mm. sure. Yes, I, I think it could be very situational, as I said before, because mm. Tuchel will, you know, he will uh, bring out different uh, tools, different setups, depending on what he faces. So, you know, for easier games like we had today. Then I'm not against uh, a Jorginho, uh, a Jorginho uh, Kovacic uh, uh, matchup because we won't have as much of a battle in midfield as we will have against you know the likes of Tottenham and Manchester United and Manchester City and these other uh, big teams. So maybe what we might have is like we will play Jorginho next to Kovacic or another uh, another more offensive or passing-minded uh, midfielder whereas when we have to you know fight for uh, fight for the ball in midfield then we bring out Kante and if Kante is able to you know offer a certain kind of mismatch uh, uh, moving forward in these uh, in this uh, in these games then we can have a Kante Kovacic uh, setup, which might be the 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 best players available kind of setup that we uh, might have, but I, I, as I said before, I think it would be very situational. It won't be something uh, so defined, you know, set in set on stone uh, because of how Tuchel uh, uh, plays the the his matches, how he plays his tactics, and that's what's most exciting for me about Tuchel uh, and. His whole, his whole, uh, his whole philosophy uh, in, in the game. We kept this basically for the end. Um, you know, any sensible Chelsea fan will understand that. You know, whether one wanted him in or not, Frank leaving is, of course, was difficult. He is a Chelsea legend, and while one should. Uh, judge him, of course, on what he's doing as a coach. 
you know, it's 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 not as simple as that always. You know, it's, he he is our best ever player for me at least. Um, he's done such great things for this club, and you know, after watching that one message on Twitter where he was, I think it was last year, and answering a Chelsea fan and saying, "Yeah, don't worry, the Chelsea boys are in charge now." It's, it does make one kind of sad that he isn't here anymore, but. You know, he isn't anymore. That's just the way it is. Uh, no one's bigger than the club, even Frank Lampard. And uh, we have to make do with that. But what I will say before we get into Frank Lampard is we won't be talking about the possible rumours regarding players rebelling and going against, going to the board uh, against Frank Lampard. There were just too many contradicting and conflicting reports on it to pass judgment, in my opinion. And we can't say for sure what really happened. We'll have to just wait. I'm sure at some point it will come out. Maybe Frank Lampard will say something. Uh, you know, if not, Jody Morris certainly will at some point, I'm sure. Uh, so I think that's something maybe for another day. And, uh, no, I'm not Rudiger's biggest fan, but, you know, guilty and uh, not guilty until proven otherwise, basically. So we have to just wait about that. But, Brian, um, a very emotional week. Frank Lampard's no longer here. The good, the bad, the ugly for our last topic of the day. What are your points in regard to Frank Lampard sacking? Oh, man. Um, you know, the postmortem on Frank, I think, obviously, this is going to be a little tough to sum up concisely, <laughs> right? Um, I wrote some talking points so I'll kind of go through quickly here. Uh, you know, overall for Frank... I think the good, obviously, is the academy. It'd be, it'd be harsh not to mention that. You know what he's done, you know, laying the groundwork or the infrastructure of a pathway from the academy to the first team, you know, is revolutionary for Chelsea. You know, I think there's been ten players who've made academy appearances or debuts, I should say, under Frank. I could be wrong. Uh, might be more. Might be a little bit. <laughs> a lot of them, at least. Exactly right. Um, you know, the fact that we have Tammy Abraham, Callum Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount, among others, Reese James, who are very impactful players on Chelsea right now, is a testament to the work that Frank has done. And the legacy of Frank will always be there with this in mind, I think, for me at least. Um, moving on to the bad of Frank, you know, when Frank first took over, I kind of had the impression that he would be someone who's looking at managing Chelsea in the more modern approach. And by modern, I mean, you know, what Klopp has done with pressing, what Gabriel has done with pressing and movement. We didn't really see that really take a huge evolutionary leap. I think the press has kind of just been inconsistent, chaotic, I would say, at least from the first season to what we saw in the last months of Lampard's tenure. And I think for me, it kind of goes down to the fact that COVID happened. And it's hard to really have a effective game plan for press, perhaps, you know, with the fact that there's so many matches and you're not able to really have a full out press for a full 90 minutes, knowing that you have another game in 72 hours. But at the same time, and this is another bad point, Frank didn't really rotate a lot. And perhaps that's why I'm so enthused with two close appointments, because I know he's going to rotate. And Lampard didn't really rotate. And I know I mentioned this in the past previously uh, um, a little bit ago, that the way that Frank managed um, seemed to be a little bit different from how 
managers of more philosophic approach would, like Sari, like Tuchel, he almost had an idea of the players he wanted to play, and then he stuck them into a certain formation or style of play. Um, I don't want to say it's square peg round hole, but it didn't always come off like it was working. Whereas Sari and Tuchel, what they're trying to do is take players and fit into a system. And I think that's probably the best approach in the short term and hopefully in the long term. Um, my ugly or WTF of the whole Lampard management era uh, would be also geared towards his management style. Now, it's hard to really read into what his management style really was. A lot of this is coming from articles um, from, I would presume, our well-sourced journalists. But let me just overlay that when Lampard was sacked, there was a lot of reports that his communication with the players was lacking. And a lot of players who were on the fringes or on the outs, outward looking in, they didn't really have that pathway of communication with Lampard. Now, I don't want to say I know too much more about it because I don't. Maybe Lampard was the type of manager who took a very top-down approach, right? So he was manager or head coach, I should say correctly, and he had the assistant coaches who were delegated the task to really manage the intricacies of the day-to-day or the tactics or the training sessions, right? Maybe Lampard was very hands-off in that manner. Maybe that was a little more old-school approach, right? Whereas you look at what Tuchel is doing, and from the sense I get is that he's a little more hands-on. He's talking to players, again, maybe it's because he's new and trying to get to know the players, but it is refreshing that that's what it seems like is happening. Last season, when Pulisic was kind of on the outs in the wintertime, I remember he was asked what Lampard was ta- telling him, what he was talking to Pulisic to kind of guide him to, you know, you know, get himself back in form. And Pulisic said that Lampard wasn't talking to him in that manner. And that was shocking to me. And I don't, I don't know, obviously there's more context that wasn't said, but for me, that was just kind of like WTF, like is... As a former player, Lampard, I was kind of hoping that he would be very much a hands-on, you know, personal man-manager, open-door policy, but maybe that wasn't the case. And for me, I found that to be interesting, um, to say the least. The yeah, emphasis on interesting, yeah. I, I mean, if, if it really was that bad, as some reports have been saying, then interesting is kind of an understatement. And, you know, Lampard as a person, fantastic. Lampard as a player, fantastic. As a manager, you know, he had his virtues just as much, you know. He did give us an identity. Uh, You know, when it was starting and, of course, one could say, well, there were worries. Is he up for the task? And, you know, arguably he wasn't. uh, At least the sacking would back that up. But, you know, he did give us an identity. You know, it was exciting. It was one of our own that was managing. And yes, of course, we had Roberto Di Matteo who took charge once. Or, you know, we had other players who've been in the youth teams. It's not the same as when the head coach is like your best player ever. It's very rarely worked out. You know, Zinedine Zidane's more the exception than anything else. And um, even there, there have been uh, problems. So... You know, it, it did give us this identity where you say, wow, we are so lucky to have this. But, you know, that that man management, those, you know, even before the Pulisic thing, that, that, 
it's you know I never really got the pro the the in, the impression that Frank Lampard kept his word and saying I'm playing players on merit because if he had then uh, as much as I love him, Matima Werner wouldn't have played at least uh, only half of the games that he did this season. Um, uh, uh, Antonio Rudiger wouldn't have played last season as long as he did. Um, uh, Kurt Zuma wouldn't be already in the team again, although he wasn't the last weeks because he made in a game two two mistakes. If it wasn't, uh, you know, anyone can have a blip. Mason Mount has had blips. He didn't get out, kicked out of the team. Why? And don't get me wrong. I'm glad that um, he played Mason Mount as much as he did because, despite some intriguing fans saying he's not good, he is our best player at the moment, apart from Thiago Silva. But that's a completely different story. So there was that problem. That would be also my my bad. You know, my bad would certainly be that he just didn't play players on merit, and that caused him eventually his downfall because that makes players unhappy i mean the ugly would i, I agree with you that would be miscommunication because if those rumors are true then that isn't something that is worthy of frank lampard he should know better if you ask me i mean it's easier to be the armchair manager here i get that but come on this guy's a really high IQ. he is a highly intellectual and educated man he it's been so diplomatic in so many things, but that's something that you had to come seeing. And that may be relatable or, you know, that one can say that leads back to him being an experience. Yeah. But, you know, the good thing for me would be the identity, just to, if that wasn't clear. Phil, Frank Lampard's the good, the bad, the ugly. Hmm. Well, uh, the good, I mean, I think Ryan already touched uh, a bit on it with was the use of academic players, which was revolutionary given uh, our recent our recent uh, history with that kind of transition. Uh, that was really a sight to see, especially in his first season. Uh, I was really uh, was really glad to see uh, a coach willing to go and use uh, players. Uh, young players as often as he did, uh, which was very, very, uh, which was not something we were used as uh, just fans. Usually when we had young players being used by just managers, uh, those were like big signings that, you know, that had the, began uh, entering the world stage at age 18 and they happened, you know, to be bought by Chelsea. And they were like 22 or 23 or 21, like Hazard. Uh, but that was, you know, the, uh, not the, the custom. Whereas with Frank, at least in his friends, in his first uh, season, that became kind of the norm to uh, give chances to young players and uh, uh, use them to, to, the, to the best of their ability, which is limited because they are not fully developed players, but they are very promising was the case with, with Sonodoy, which was the case with Mount, which was the case with several other players. Uh, we had James, you know, Rich James also. Uh, the, the bad was, you know, I, I still insist, uh, I think you mentioned this, Jimmy, which is like, 
the lack of identity or this you couldn't see in his statics and his choices uh, a, a good you know a proper shape uh, or a proper philosophy forming uh, and given you know that thing that I mentioned before about Abramovich looking uh, for Chelsea identity and the fact he wasn't able to provide that especially in his second season uh, because the thing about Lampard, at least in my view, that made him, you know, uh, get uh, dismissed from the job was not just uh, uh, the, the the lack of results, but also um, how the how the team didn't really didn't really have a well-defined uh, look. Uh, uh, we could look at uh, the team uh, when it was playing well uh, with a, with certain char- characteristics that you know the. A certain kind of uh, attacking patterns and a certain a certain type of defensive solitude, not not solitude, excuse me, solidity. But you know, there was I think that was more on the players rather than on the coach, which is weird to say. But I think, it, I mean, it's because of this lack of identity that I I was able I wasn't able to identify in the group, but I could see in the players. Uh, uh, doing their best, you know, uh, a run from Utsunodoy or some kind of play from Pulisic or Mount himself, who was a, a very good player at the start of the season. Uh, that was the kind of thing that I saw from Lampard, but I didn't see uh, his touch in these, uh, in these, uh, in these, uh, in these plays, or at least in the group. Uh, whereas the ugly, I mean, I, I'm not a polemicist, but I. Cannot, I cannot uh, 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 allow myself not to bring up that incident that he had uh, with uh, with uh, Sterling, with Hayden Sterling, that I wrote about, uh, where he, you know, was just uh, 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 one. I mean, the, the the interpretation of, of Sterling's quote on the, the 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 privilege that coaches like him have, uh, whereas you know, black players and who. Try to become black. Who, who try to become coaches uh, don't have. Uh, and his response to that was just, you know, it was it was the the biggest one of the biggest disappointments I had in football because you know uh, it, it still is it still hurts when I think back uh, when I look back at it because I expected better from a person who you know every everyone uh, loves him for being super intelligent, but. Uh, at least on this specific uh, subject, he was not as smart as he could have been. Uh, but you know, that's uh, that's the ugly that I saw beyond the pitch. Because the the thing about Lampard in his tenure is not just uh, the 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 things that we saw on the pitch, but also uh, uh, because he is a, a very big figure uh, uh, at the club within the club uh everything he did everything he does uh, uh, every, uh it would be you know projected as uh as a, some some kind of symbol of what the club is as well or at least what it was during his time as the the coach and uh i didn't really look i didn't really like seeing the club uh, in these in this manner, uh, uh, it did bring a lot of good discussions on on the on the subject, but you know, I 
that was the, the ugly for me in uh, Lampard's uh, tenure with Chelsea. That's a very fair point to make. That's a very fair point to make, um, especially in times where you know, there seems to be very little progress, um, not only from Chelsea fans, you know, the Reese uh, James Instagram comments or private messages, what he received the other day. I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you write an article on that, uh, Brian? I mean, that, that that's just despicable, vile, and horrific that we still have players who, yes, they are football players, yes, they are rich, but they still, whether... Uh, and w- completely regardless of the, 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 the color of skin, they have feelings, they are human beings. And if they think that just because they are this this phenomenal figure that you think I'll never reach, and yes, I am, in, well, I've got this anom- anonymity in the internet, This they will be hurting. And you saw that with Reese James. It was the same with Anthony Marshall, Marcus Rashford. It's It's, it's just... A very sad state of affairs. Uh, as said, I think you wrote an article on that, yeah, uh, Brian, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. I, I think it comes down to, I mean, to the article points with social media. I think there's just a lack of empathy or humanizing, I guess, in terms of a certain subset of the population, um, which is disappointing. You know, we're in 2021. I, you know, I would hope that as we get further along in the years that things get better for the good. But, you know, there's always some bad actors who make things who remind us that, you know, while there is progress, there's not enough progress. Right. Um, yeah. Going back to what Felipe mentioned with, with Lampard, I, I actually forgot about that. And it's, it's striking to me, I, you know, I, I think Lampard has a position where he was always kind of defensive about how he got the position of Chelsea manager. And he definitely said stuff to the like where he was always trying to defend, you know, his ascension from Derby or even the Derby job to begin with, but Derby to Chelsea and the lack of understanding of the connotation of the words that he used. And I agree was definitely disappointing. And it just kind of puts back into perspective sometimes where I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old adage, but never meet your heroes because you might be disappointed. <laughs> yes. But it was kind of like that. We're like, ah, oh, come on. But, you know, what says is done, you know, or what is, what is dead may never die. I don't know what's the proper <laughs> way to end this part. But Wait a minute. Where's that from? Isn't that Game of Thrones? <laughs> I think it only lasted seven seasons, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Shay. Touche. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a bit... Okay, I don't... We are at the end of the podcast, but I don't want to end the podcast on such a bad note because that happened, and it's very much justified to talk about that. So I absolutely agree with you, Phil. Um, I'd actually changed my ugly point, but I have to be honest, I'd forgotten about it entirely as well. Um, that is certainly one of the the low points of Frank Lampard's tenure and there's nothing comparable really um but let's not end on on a point where of course there is a justifiable point of disappointment um just a quick fire 
answer, basically, for the next game, because Tottenham will be our next game. We won't be recording beforehand. Are you confident? Yes or no? And maybe in just a few brief words, why you are confident. Um, Brian. Uh, yes, because at the time of this recording, Brighton is leading Tottenham 1-0 in the 70th minute. So I feel like if Brighton can do it, why can't we? <laughs> right? Very dangerous We have the new assertion. manager bounce. <laughs> Very dangerous assertion. <laughs> we have the balance. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Phil? I am confident, not just because of the bounce and Brighton... Uh, winning against Tottenham, because, but also because I believe Tokyo will find the solution, the proper solution to uh, whatever Morium brings to the table. <laughs> and, you know, I think, I think, uh, and I think we will be able to, to get a good result out of that. Whether there will be a win against Tottenham, I'm not sure, but I, will, I think uh, we, we will be happy with, uh, with the results. Yeah, I mean, even drawing, even though we really need wins right now, even a draw, I think we're playing away, right? Yes, especially yeah. because we're playing away. <laughs> though I must say, I heard a stat today on BT Sports that uh, for the first time in the, I think generally the history of the Premier English football, uh, there are less home wins, far less home wins than away wins uh, mm. in the league this season, which is well, on itself, quite extraordinary. Then again, if you think about the context with yes. there being no home fans, and that is certainly a big factor, it's less surprising. Still, you know, that, that is certainly something where when we say, okay, they don't have a home advantage, we have to take advantage of it. So let's hope we do. If there's anyone who can look through the Lampard, ta- uh, Lampard, sorry, uh, the, the, the Mourinho tactics, then it will be Thomas Tuchel. Um, yeah, exciting, exciting times to be a Chelsea fan, I guess. Um, we've had a long chat today. We tried to keep it to a theme. I think we did that quite well. There was a nice and balanced discussion. Uh, realistic, first and foremost, realistic, if you ask me. I enjoyed it. As always, lads, it was absolutely fantastic to have you on. Uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Jimmy. And yeah, I hope to see you on soon again. Uh, we're not going anywhere because we are all, we ain't got no history. This is why I love this blog. And yeah, that's, that's all from us for today. Uh, let's hope we win against Tottenham. As always in these dire times, keep safe. Um, we'll see each other next week. Bye-bye.